Welcome to our study of Paul's Epistle to the Thessalonians here on the Radio Bible Course. We begin today with verse 11 of chapter 3, where Paul writes, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all men, as we do to you, so that he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. This appears to be a continuation of the prayer which Paul introduced in the previous verse where he wrote, Praying earnestly night and day that we may see your face and supply what is lacking in your faith. And then he continues, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. So that seems to be all connected. Now Paul knows that it will take God's grace to bring them together again. In verse 11, he appears to be putting his future plans and the contact with the Thessalonians into God's hands. May our God and Father direct our way to you. He hopes he will, but he's leaving it there. Now, I want you to notice that he said, Our God. By using that pronoun, he is expressing his high regard for the Thessalonians' faith. He could have said, My God, but the Thessalonians had become believers. They had received the gospel which Paul preached. They had trusted in the Christ of that gospel, and so they were God's children. And so properly, Paul could say, that he was praying to our God and the Father. And by the way, the word Father implies a family relationship due to birth. Are you in the family of God? Well, you are if you have believed in the Son, because then the Bible tells us that upon faith in Christ, we are in Christ, which means united to Christ. Well, if you're united to Christ, you're in the family of God and one of God's children. Is everyone a child of God? Not according to the Bible. Oh, you can say that God is the creator of all men because he made the first man and woman, and therefore we are his physical creatures. But according to the Bible, we are not all his spiritual children, nor is he our father in a spiritual sense. Beware of men who generalize and say, all of us are God's children. That just is not biblical. Jesus made that clear even when he spoke about God's Old Testament people. He did not regard them as God's children. He said, you are of your father the devil. Well, that's a lot different from being children of the Father in heaven. And John the Baptist expressed that also when he came to the Jews, especially referring to the Pharisees. And he said, don't take pride in the fact that you are children of Abraham. God can make children out of these stones. Now, John the Apostle, 
perhaps makes it most clear how we can become children of God. That's in 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is a child of God. Someone may say, well, everyone believes that Jesus is the Christ. Oh, do they? I doubt it very much, because believing that Jesus is the Christ means he is the anointed one of whom the prophets in the Old Testament spoke, and that he is the Savior of the world, and he saves men by faith alone. Not many people believe that Jesus is God the Son, and that's inherent in the word Christ. Now, this same John, in his gospel, wrote in verse 12 of chapter 1, But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So to be a child of God, one must be born of God. And you are born of God when you believe in his name. Now that's the same as believing that Jesus is the Christ. When one believes in his name, it doesn't be mean that we believe that he has a name, but that his name represents who he is. The name stands for his character, his purpose, his identity, and everything that that person is. Now, Paul continues this idea in the very next clause. He first wrote, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. Now, what does that imply? How can a crucified and buried Christ direct our way to you? Well, it implies that he was resurrected and that he is alive. And more than that, that he is deity, because only deity could possibly direct our way, as he indicates here. Yes, Christ is joined to the Father. He's a distinct person, and he's alive in heaven. The fact that Paul wrote it this way, saying, Our God and Father and our Lord Jesus Christ unites the two. Now, they are distinct, of course, but they are still one. That's the mystery of the Trinity, and John wrote about it in the opening verses of his Gospel when he said, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was both with God and he was God, which makes him equal with God. This is something we will not fully understand while we are here, because we can hardly understand man, let alone God. Nevertheless, the Word of God declares that Jesus is equal to the Father. From earliest times, Jesus was accepted as deity by believers, and any kind of teaching which denies that Jesus is deity is not of God. That was a heresy in the first century. They claimed that he was only a man. Some people did. Others said he was blaspheming because he claimed to be God. We should take note of what John wrote in chapter 10 of his gospel, verse 31. The Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, 
I had shown you many good works from the Father, for which of these do you stone me? The Jews answered him, It is not for a good work that we stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Now, it is very clear then that Jesus was teaching that he was equal to God, and that offended the Jews. And in this context, when they said that and made that accusation, Jesus did not deny it. Instead, he answered, by referring to a passage in the Old Testament that referred to the people who received the word of God as God's, and therefore he confirmed here that indeed he was the Son of God. Listen to his answer. Is it not written in your law, quote, I said, you are gods, unquote? If he called them gods, to whom the word of God came, and scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming, because I said, I am the Son of God? If I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works, that you may know and understand that the Father is in me, and I in the Father. There are, of course, many ideas about the identity of Jesus. But if you want a biblical idea of who Jesus is, take it from the biblical writers. John clearly expresses the deity of Jesus Christ. He quotes Jesus, and Jesus never denied that he was God the Son. He was more than a man, and the Bible proclaims that very clearly. Now, summing up verse 11, Paul here is hoping that God will bring him back to the Thessalonians so they may get together. He wants God and our Lord Jesus Christ, he said, to direct our way to you. That means remove the obstacles out of the way for a visit. Now, what was his purpose in visiting them? That he might strengthen them and add to their faith, to build them up. That was the purpose of his visit with any of the churches where he was going. It was not a social visit. It was not a time simply to relax and eat. It was a time of teaching the word of God. And now in verse 12, Paul adds, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all men, as we do to you. This is Paul's expression of his priority. Now, you and I may pray for some Christians in some other city, perhaps, as Paul is doing here, but we probably wouldn't be praying like he prayed. Think of all the things that people pray for. Oh, we pray that you'll have a bigger Sunday school program, or a wonderful musical program, or a larger choir, or we pray that you'll collect enough money to be able to enlarge your church building. In today's world, you might be praying that they'll be able to afford and get a larger staff, or to buy a computer so they can computerize their directory and their fundraising program. 
Paul wasn't interested in all that kind of thing. Paul wanted them to do what Jesus Christ said was most important, that they love one another. And so he prays, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in what? In love to one another. Have you ever heard such a prayer in a prayer meeting? Have you ever heard such a prayer from the pulpit? Well, if not, we're not in agreement with the Apostle Paul and we have our priorities confused. We better get back to the Bible on this matter of praying. If you want to know how to pray, look at how the Apostle prayed. How did he pray? Well, read the Bible. You'll find his prayers expressed here in Thessalonians, in Colossians 1, Ephesians 1, Philippians 1. Learn from Paul. Now, on this subject of prayer, I don't want to neglect telling you about our cassettes on prayer. We have a four-tape cassette album called Understanding Prayer, and we think it will give you new biblical insight into this sometime confusing subject. Some people have been led to believe that prayer is a means of getting things, such as wealth and health, or to be made more comfortable. That was a first-century error that the Apostle James addressed in his epistle. He wrote that they asked, but received not, because they asked for selfish purposes. Well, we too need instruction on what the Bible teaches about prayer, and we believe you will find our four tapes on understanding prayer very instructive. Until tomorrow, this is Nick Calavota reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.